Here on Cal Island, we have a weekly tradition. Every Tuesday night, we all get together, make some chicken tacos, and play penny poker. For those who don't know, penny poker is like regular poker, but you bet pennies instead of chips. For amateurs like us, it's much more exciting than those phony poker chips. After all, this is real money. Of course, it's just pennies, so it's not really real money. Still, we get rather competitive. Each player keeps their pennies in a jar somewhere in their room. They bring it out every Tuesday and it either returns fuller or sadly barren. The jar normally sits in a spot of high visibility, for better or worse depending on how good you are. Baby New Year is not good. Oh, sorry, they, they've asked that I just call them New Year now? Uh, they're roughly 16 in human years and you know how teenagers are. Definitely don't want to be called baby. Anyways, New Year is bad at poker. I don't know what it is, maybe they're poor at odds and probability, maybe they play too aggressively, betting and bluffing on bad hands. They are a good liar, I know that much. Whatever the cause is, New Year has been consistently losing since they started playing in late February. That's why we were especially suspicious this last week when New Year showed up to the table with a nearly overflowing jar. Meanwhile, Sophie Rivera, who mopped up last week, had a little less than expected. We asked her if she got a larger jar, and she said, no. Very peculiar. I held up the cards to my face, peering over the top like it was a wall. I shifted my eyes back and forth between Sophie and New Year. Something had happened, and I was going to get to the bottom of this. After the game was done, I pretended like I was going to bed, yawning, stretching my arms, and saying things like, I'm tired, and oh so tired, and good night. After I was sure everyone thought I was going to bed, I threw on my slippers and went soft-stepping through the hall and down the stairs. Psst! Jack! Jack a dull boy? I was calling out, trying not to make too much noise. The ghost of Jack a dull boy floated down past the ceiling. Jack was, or is, an assistant for the collective. He died when the devil visited, but then came back as a ghost. Now he hangs around, mostly doing the same stuff, but a ghost now. And a ghost was just what I needed. Jack, I think there has been a robbery. A robbery? Yes, a robbery. New Year sucks at poker, and yet they came to the table with an entire jar full of pennies. Meanwhile, Sophie was lacking. Jack tried to scratch his own chin, but he was a ghost, so his hand just went through his face. That must be hard, I commented. Not being able to scratch your own face because you're a ghost? I would have thought for sure that you could at least touch your own body. He shrugged it off. Nope, I'm a ghost. I'm ephemeral. Can't interact with nothing except vague energetic stuff like TVs or electronic signals and whatnot. My eyes went wide. Electronic signals? I had an idea. While everyone else was downstairs watching Jeopardy's Greatest Hits, me and Jack Adolboy made our way to the scene of the potential crime, Sophie Rivera's room. She kept her jar of pennies on a nightstand directly across from an old CRTV. Now, old TVs like that aren't exactly digital. They have a lot more concrete electrical components than the pixel and chip-driven smart TVs of today. This was going to be good for us. The best way I can explain it is through microphones and speakers. Did you know that microphones and speakers are basically the same technology? 
In fact, it's possible to take the little speakers from greeting cards and turn them into cheap contact mics. TVs work the same way. Projecting an image and recording an image are surprisingly similar technologies. They both utilize thousands of little ant-like workers that flip colored switches at the right time to either document colors or reproduce them. A lot of times, if a TV is off, the little ant-like workers inside won't know what to do with their time, so they'll start recording what they see. This meant that if Jack used his ghostly powers to reach inside the machine, turn on the workers' lights, and tell them to recreate last night's events, they probably could. I explained my plan to Jack, and he agreed. It was all going perfectly. Jack reached in, got the ant-like workers working, and the screen displayed the night's prior event. For a little bit, it was just Sophie sleeping. The jar was on her desk, as full as I remember it being from last week. But then, the Church of the False Morning Sun came in. This was a cult that had believed Sophie was the chosen one or something. They follow her around, worship her, and do whatever she says, which normally consists of film crew duties. I don't know their cult all that well, maybe they were doing some kind of ritual or something. They came in, surrounded her in a huddle, and they started swinging back and forth, chanting. I couldn't see Sophie, but I hear her saying things like, what's going on, and I'm trying to sleep, and okay, very funny, what are you guys doing? I was so distracted by the spectacle that I didn't even notice the jar being stolen. I just looked over and it was gone. I had Jack rewind it a bit. This time, I kept my eyes on the jar. Soon after the cult came in, the jar appeared to just lift up and float away. Wow, okay, uh, this was far less helpful than I was hoping for, but at least we had a lead. We turned off the TV, tipped the antlight workers inside, as is customary, and made our way to the underbasement. The underbasement was a new installment we added to the house. When Sophie Rivera first joined Newton's Darkroom, we didn't really have a good place to house her accompanying cult. What we ended up doing was digging a second basement under our current one. We kept it pretty dark, rocky, and creepy, as that's what most cults seem to like. The Church of the False Morning Sun was right at home, and they quickly started setting up the horn dais we got from Ikea. It was to this very underbasement that Jack and I were headed. Even though he could have floated straight down through the floorboards, Jack decided to walk alongside me. I have to admit, the company was nice. We found the secret bookcase in the normal basement, pulled a copy of the authoritative Calvin and Hobbes like a lever, and watched as the whole bookcase began to spin around. We could hear vague chanting from inside. I grabbed one of the torches from off the wall and started walking in. That's when I tripped. Which was odd. We had made this path very clear and safe due to the low light levels. I held the torch to the ground and found... an ex extension cord? What was going on here? We followed it down the long hallway until we reached the main chambers. Inside was a huddled mass of cult members. Rays of light were shooting out from in between them. I cleared my throat rather loudly. <clears throat> they all jumped and turned around. The extension cord was leading right to the center of the group to a desk lamp that was sitting on the ground. I put my hands on my hip and gave them a stern look. Where did you folks get that lamp? They all shrugged and looked at each other as if someone knew the answer, it just wasn't them. Isn't this sacrilegious for you? Don't you worship the light that Sophie brought? 
They hung their heads low and nodded, like a dog caught chewing on a chair leg. That's what I thought. Who gave you the light? They said nothing. Church of the False Morning Sun, I'm not going to ask you again who gave you the lamp. All at once, every last member of the cult said, New Year. That's what I thought. I grabbed the lamp, turned it off, and rolled up the extension cord as I made my way back up the path. It was time to talk to Baby New Year. I found them in their room on the third story, lying on a mattress that was just on the ground. No frame. They were counting pennies when I walked in, an activity they rapidly abandoned once I was in the room. Hi, New Year. Where'd you get the pennies? They tried to act offended, like, like they had earned them. They said that they had watched some poker tutorials and practiced online and... New Year stopped when I presented the lamp. I know you stole the jar, I just don't know how. They tried to get all philosophical on me. Well, if you don't know how, then do you really know? What is knowledge if not the how to the great huh of the universe? While New Year rattled on, trying in vain to not seem guilty, I scanned the room. That's when I noticed something on the other side of their bed. It was a pile of frozen ground beef. What's that? I asked. Oh, the ground beef? Well, I was feeling peckish, a late night snack, you know how it is. I wasn't buying it. There was only one reason they would be thawing beef in their room. I made my way to the second floor down the hallway. I stopped at a large metal door that was locked like a safe. I put in the code and it opened up. I stepped into a small transitory room while the metal door resealed behind me. Once it did, the glass door in front of me opened up. The smell hit me right away. Long, rotten food sitting in an airtight room. I was at the miniature civilization of New Artesia. I heard a small megaphoned voice from the top of their capital building. Hark! Curator! What brings you here? I held up the frozen ground beef. Oh. New Year? I shouted. It was time to reveal the caper. I gathered everyone in the living room because it felt more dramatic than our normal meeting space. I asked Doggy to sign for her sister, Sumpra. After all, I was going to need my hands for all the finger pointing I was about to do. Earlier tonight, New Year came to the poker table with a fat stack of pennies, a stack we all know they didn't win. Meanwhile, Sophie, the clear winner of last week, had considerably less. This is because New Year stole the jar. My finger was pointing right at New Year, who busted out the alibi of studying for the written driving test with Tommy B. Oh, but you didn't steal it yourself. You orchestrated the whole thing. We saw the caper take place by using Jack's ghostly form to institute a reverse projection on the TV in Sophie's room. Now we have the evidence to see exactly how it went down. You see, you approached the Church of the False Morning Sun and offered them a false false morning sun in exchange for their help. They blindly followed. You used them as both a visual and an audible distraction so that Sophie couldn't see the new artesian police chopper lifting up her jar of pennies and bringing them to you in the hallway. A favor the mayor was happy to carry out in return from some extra building materials. The very materials we found thawing next to your bed. The room gasped. Folks, Jack and I had cracked the case. Okay, you got me, New Year confessed. 
But you have to admit, it's pretty cool. I mean, that was a good caper. Yes, it was pretty cool. I conceded. But you're still grounded. For a week. New Year was up in arms about that. What? For a week? That's unfair. You know I only live for one year, right? One week is like two years in human time. Granted, I hadn't thought about that. This was supposed to be a punishment, not a prison. In the end, I decided that New Year would earn the pennies from Sophie. New Year would take her place in helping the Cal Island caretakers dust and service AI-482 tomorrow. Productive and difficult, the perfect punishment, right? I'm not sure. I've only been doing this quasi-parenting thing for a couple of months now. They just grow up so fast, don't they? You just listened to The Penny Thief from Newton's Darkroom Presents. The story was written, produced, and narrated by myself, Talon Stradley. The music was written by a Mighty Rabbit with special guest composer Dechov. For more information on Dechov, visit dechovmusic.com. That's D-C-H-A-V-Music.com. That's, 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 that's We've also added lyrics to some of these songs and released them as EPs by Mighty Rabbit. You can stream the music on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever else you get your music. You can also purchase the EP on a special cassette that is the music, podcast episode, and bonus sounds at amightyrabbit.bandcamp.com. Patrons will be receiving a mini-zine in the mail with additional art and musings inspired by this episode. Find out how you can get your own zine, handmade lino cuts, and limited edition cassettes mailed straight to your door every month by visiting patreon.com slash newtonstarkroom. This has been a production of Newton's Dark Room. For more information on NDR, our other shows, transcripts, extras, and more, visit newtonsdarkroom.com or follow us on social media at Newton's Dark Room. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next month. Produced by Newton's Dark Room.